you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, Moses Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends, to the Chris Voss Show family, the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, the podcast that hosts billionaires, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and newsmakers, and all the hottest, newest authors to come on the show and talk shop to make you smarter, more sexier, more brilliant, more mindful. And, uh, you know, you're going to walk away from the show going, Darn it, I know almost everything there is to know. There's over 15 years of podcasting that you can take and do. You know, we just got done doing 655 podcasts in the last year. What more do you people want from me, damn it? Anyway, this is the guilt and shaming part where we lead into uh, why you should refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Because, you know, you want them to be as smart as you do in the upcoming holiday season when you have to sit around that Thanksgiving table and they start talking shop like politics or, I don't know, conspiracy theories. Or they start talking about, I don't know, the fact that uh, the earth isn't flat, it's square. You know, whatever their shtick is, man, you're going to have to put up with that. So if you haven't listened to the Chris Voss show, you might not have that problem or you might have more of it i don't know pick your pick your wheel uh go to goodreads.com for chess chris voss youtube.com for chess chris voss linkedin.com for chess chris voss and uh tiktok chris voss one we're trying to be cool there we have an amazing gentleman on the show and i'm excited to talk with him with him today he's actually a retired captain of u.s navy ships and i love uh, our military because the uh leadership course is my wheelhouse and what they teach our, our military folks uh on leadership is just astounding and i always find it fascinating we've had a number of other captains from uh, the u.s military on the show and uh all of those people so we love having them on the show we love uh uh appreciating them for their service we're gonna be talking to him about his amazing books and he's got a new one coming out and a few other ones we'll be talking about uh his uh, latest one is called million dollar influence how to drive powerful decisions through language leverage and leadership. Uh, Gene Moran is on the show with us today. He'll be talking to us about this amazing book and his other books and what he's got coming up and uh, kind of the state of the union as you were. Uh, he is the president of Capital Integration, an award-winning defense lobbyist and consultant. He's a retired Navy captain and former corporate lobbyist. He now guides companies through the complexities of federal sales and his client results measure in billions, billions as, as uh, what's the face you say, the scientist, in, uh, of dollars. Uh, Gene's initiatives have been implemented by Congress, the president, and the executive branch. They like him over there. Uh, he's got a Ph.D. in public policy focused on Congress and defense, and he commanded Navy ships and led global congressional delegations, joint staff during 9-11 and the aftermath, and former congressional staffer. Welcome to the show, Gene. How are you? Chris, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Great there to be you here. Go. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you very much, sir. Give us your dot-coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? GeneMoran.com will take you to everything that I do. 
There you go. There you go. So uh, let's lead off with uh, your book, Million Dollar Influence. Uh, I know there's a new one. When is the new one coming out so we can get a, a, a tad up on that? Sure. The next one comes out in November. That one is called uh, Government Deals Are Funded, Not Sold. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about Million Dollar Influence here for a minute. That's That was uh, last November. I co-wrote that with Alan Weiss. Alan is a globally recognized business consultant. Uh, I'm a recognized and award-winning lobbyist and expert in the defense part of the federal government. And we recognized that we had a lot of information between us about how people miss opportunities to exercise influence that is immediately within their reach. And they uh, sit on the sidelines and and, uh, assume a, a position of frustration as opposed to exercising influence that they could. There you go. Uh, and uh, this is important for companies who want to do business with the uh, government, with want to influence them. You know, uh, I want to influence a few people over there, mainly for them to leave my job. You want to see my, uh, uh, you want to see my Mitch McConnell impression? <laughs> Bring it up. That's about it. I don't want to do the full it's 30 go quiet, huh? That's it. Yeah. You just stand the screen and just go numb, uh, which is uh, interesting. Anyway, people, well, people we listen can, to this on the can, podcast. We can go, talk what? about the age of some of my congressional audiences if we want. But. There you go. We'll get into it. Uh, let's uh, first dig into your book. Give us a 30,000 overview of the book, Million Dollar Influence, and what's inside, if you would. Yeah, what's inside? It's about 120 pages of golden nuggets drawn from experience of engaging audiences around the world. Uh, Alan Weiss is a, a, as I said, expert business consultant, worked with uh, top countries uh, with both US and and global uh, footprints, public, private, um, you you name it. My focus is on the Washington arena, executive branch, uh, Congress, Senate. uh, So that that executive branch is, is big. I try to focus on defense. Sometimes that brings me to the White House. But uh, what, what we collectively recognized was that uh, a lot of people really don't even know how to approach these uh, uh, situations that make them a little uncomfortable. They, they, they never quite figure out how to deal with ambiguity. So they come up with a script. They rely on a script. And when real life makes contact with that script, they, they lose their way or they, they might have a freeze up moment like you just demonstrated. Uh, and, and, and so what we try to show is the many different ways that you can prepare before you ever have an encounter with somebody with whom you're, that you're trying to influence or, or whatever organization you're trying to influence. Mm-hmm. There you go. And you talk about several facets of language, leverage, and leadership, how to utilize them. Um, you talk about how consensus building is something to live with, not something to die for. Um, what's going on in that company if you're dying for it? What's, what's that about? Yeah, you, you know, we don't live in a world of absolutes, uh, although sometimes the, uh, you know, the political dialogue may lead you to believe that or the, uh, the media representation of an issue may lead you to believe that. But really, uh, you're, you're not ever going to get everybody on board with your, your issue or your proposal, uh, and you really shouldn't be trying to. And to that end, that means there are people that you should be ignoring that, that may be on the other side of whatever your issue is. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be could be a uh, a local uh, uh, commission, city commission, or or council or co- county government. It could be uh, the big federal government. It could be a specific agency. It could be a a business uh, a counterpart with whom you're negotiating. Mm-hmm. There are people who don't have authority 
uh, or the ability to make a decision. And so it's easy to say no, and you'll find that many people will say no. But being able to recognize who matters and who doesn't matter is a big part of the, the game before you ever make the approach. There you go. Uh, and you talk about the scientific and magical contrasts of language. Why is that important in, in gaining that consensus? Because, you know, like you like you mentioned, consensus is probably a big deal in government because you have people on sometimes two political sides and you've got to try and somehow figure out a way to get, you know, government to work uh, down the middle somehow. You know, I used to use a, a phrase on uh, active duty when I was uh, commanding ships and, and uh teaching leadership by by actions with uh, with my uh, subordinate and, and team that was that would be rising to new uh, leadership positions and i would say words mean things mm. and so, so you have to be thoughtful about what you're even saying and many people have a habit of just sort of thinking out loud and hoping they're going to get to the end of the sentence the way they're they're they, they want to uh, the comedian jim gaffigan has a great uh, uh a great little setup on this this concept but uh, too many people think out loud as opposed to thinking and then speaking with uh, authority and with clarity and, and with brevity. Uh, Alan Weiss, who, who was the co-author, he, he is a master of language uh, and, and has worked very hard throughout his, his life to develop his vocabulary. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that you have to be somebody who drops all sorts of uh, word bombs on, on people to show how, how well educated you are, but your words have to be uh, tight, and they have to they have to have meaning uh, in the way that you intend. And ideally, you're going to be able to tell a story uh, with your words in a way that allows people to come to their own logical conclusion, uh, as opposed to you having to sort of beat them over the head or push them into a into a, a situation or or a corner. Mm -hmm. And and language is important because I I think you're always as a CEO as a leader whatever you're doing I mean a leader can be a parent um, the way you communicate and how you communicate and its effectiveness is really important like you know I I had to learn that as a leader where if I told someone to do something in a certain way and they did it wrong I had to take ownership and go I probably instructed them wrong or I didn't follow through to make sure that they fully understood the communication I give them uh, and many times that was it they there was some sort of failure breakdown in my communication to them maybe their level of of interpreting uh data is you know might be auditory kinesthetic or maybe that you know somehow it just didn't fit right to them and uh and some people need more communication than others uh some people need a lot more like a pink slip there and thrown out the second story window but that's another Chris, what, what, what you just did there was you you took accountability for your part of the conversation accountability. and and accountability is a, is a critical part of leadership mm -hmm. that is often lacking in in the corporate uh, situation mm -hmm. uh, we know what authority is and, and you know do i have the power to to make a decision or to control an outcome uh, accountability is the ownership of that uh, decision and ownership to include was it somebody two or three layers down within your organization that was acting on your behalf you know, are you are you accountable to that uh, in the military, particularly in the Navy? Command of Navy ships is the perfect example. Uh, a captain has absolute authority within certain boundaries that they they have to you know run the ship by, but they also have absolute accountability. Uh, and we see captains of ships relieved every year, probably a dozen or more, uh, for some sort of failure that takes place under their command. 
It could be some mechanical issue. It could be some procedural violation. It could be a personnel issue. It could be a personal indiscretion. But those uh, shortcomings are um, meted out through uh, a very strict accountability. And that's, that's a part of, of uniform military culture. I don't see that as clearly defined uh, and as strongly enforced in corporate America. Oops. I'm not hearing you, Chris. There we go. Uh, that's why we need more people like you and me uh, telling people uh, and teaching leadership. Uh, you more better than I, because uh, you, you, you. It's astounding to me, and and the more I've studied it and learned about how our military teaches leadership and how we, you know, have the best military in the world. You you really see the difference when you see like a, a war with a different sort of a military structure, management structure per se, in the Russian war with the Ukraine. Um, and uh, what a difference it makes, you know, in, in the structure. And then being able to have that, uh, you know, where teams can command on the ground or can take command and lead if, you know, there's a breakdown in the chain of command in the theater of war, or the fog of war, that, that a unit can take and act on its own. And so it's really amazing to me how we teach leadership in our military and 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 how what a difference it makes in the quality you know i think like china is still trying to figure out our perfect model and and i think part of it comes down too to the human will and the human spirit of you know what people fight for i mean uh, our, our our military and, and our people in our military you know believe in freedom uh, the, the the american way there's an idealism there and you don't see that in russia with the people you know, who've been conscripted for that war where they're just like, we don't want to go do this. We don't care. Um, and it, it's very different in the getting the hearts and minds of the people a, behind a principal it. Difference, a principal difference, Chris, is that the uh, U.S. soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen, uh, guardians, they take an oath to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. uh, and within our military, we see a, a very robust enlisted force mm -hmm. that also values uh, leadership skills. And so our enlisted force uh, is able to operate independently within within boundaries and within the uh, commander's intent. You don't see that in those other uh, other uh, the, the militaries of the other countries you mentioned. There you go. And you write about the fundamental difference between accountability and authority. What's the separation between being self-accountable as a leader and uh, wielding authority, I guess? Yeah, I, I think self-accountability comes down to, you know, how how have you uh, uh, imbued values? Uh, how have they been passed to you? Uh, what What is your understanding of where you are in the organization? Uh, uh, there's a certain amount of self-discipline, and uh, we see people fail for personal foibles. You know, it's a Shakespearean uh, concept. It goes back. Uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years, uh, where uh, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. But learning how to uh, put uh, an organization or a goal above self is a, is a, a critical aspect of understanding uh, how uh, authority uh, fits into the overall leadership construct. There you go. The other thing you talk about in your book that I think is really important in today's world, because um, even though the world's moving faster, we have these uh, fast-talking 
people that are just trying to close deals fast, not build relationships. Uh, and so you talk about um, people are making unwitting sacrifices uh, need, to, that are vital needs to gain minor and temporary bright, shiny things. They're, they're looking for small wins over big wins and uh, trying to influence fast talk. And you talk about constructing your language that applies uh, within a specific context. Tell us a little bit about how that works and how to how to not lose the game over over the quick and easy shiny things, you know, and and look at the long ball. Yeah, I, you know, a, a comparison might be, and this is not to to knock uh, car salesmen because there there are some expert car salesmen who have lifelong customers. There are many car salesmen who don't have lifelong customers and don't stay in car sales as a career because they treat it as a a quick sale, and they mm -hmm. might they might bend parameters of the deal uh, to make the quick sale. Uh, my day-to-day -day work in uh, lobbying and exercising influence in government to, to try to shape better outcomes that will lead to good government uh, requires a long view, uh, in part because it's a long process. The budget process takes as many as three years to, to move through for any given uh, year for a budget to develop. Uh, and over time, I will have to come back to uh, the same people sometimes, multiple times uh, over the course of my career. Uh, some people stay put in government for a very long time. <laughs> they're, 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 and I don't just mean elected officials. We can, we can argue that point about yeah. term limits. But there are unelected experts who sit on committee staffs who are uh, senior executives within the government. You know, these are people we want there for continuity of, of government. Yeah. But uh, I can't go in there one year with a, a bag of bolts of a story and then go in there the next year and say, hey, I've got a, even a shinier bag of bolts this year. Uh, I have to protect my own credibility as uh, somebody who's able to tell a, co a coherent and cogent story. Uh, but over time, I can actually become a resource to some of those decision makers who are dealing with with new issues about which I may have better connectivity with industry. So um, two two ends of an extreme there uh, in, in terms of how one can can manage uh, the relationships uh, for, for the longer term. There you go. I, I think that you probably have a great perspective on negotiating and leadership and selling because you're you're dealing with the the ultimate uh, a tiger or alligator in the room. Like you said, there is a continuity of, of people that run our government. That probably thank God for them because some of the people we put in office are crazy, uh, and uh, we've seen a few. Um, but you know, they're they're lifelong career people that are there uh, running the Pentagon or running different formats of you know the, the federal government and stuff. And you have to go there and not only deal with the politics, but you have to go there and, and sell stuff and, like you said, build relationships which is um, it probably just as challenging as any CEO job that has to go do vendor relationships, you know, investor uh, meetings and, and calls and, and negotiate with them and, you know, negotiate with unions and, and all the different aspects, employees, et cetera, et cetera. You know, as a CEO, you're selling to so many people. You know, I, I've had people, I've had people say to me, I want to be a CEO because I want to be a boss. And I'm like, you're not really a boss. You're actually in servant leadership and you're spending your time selling to everybody. You have to sell to your board, your vendors, your employees. You're, you got to sell your vision on everything, what you're trying to do, how to do it, how to innovate, uh, how to build a, a healthy organization, environment, and culture. Um, you're just constantly selling. Like 
people always ask me when I'm a big mouth. It's because I, <laughs> from 18, when I started my first company, I've had to sell to everybody who's involved in the, sometimes I had to sell myself. Like, is this a good idea? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe we should go sell it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. You know, it depends on which of my personalities, of course, are running on as well. Uh, there's always that kill, kill, kill one that I, I the judge says I can't use anymore. Uh, so, you know, I, sometimes it's selling between the personalities. Uh, any of your thoughts on that? And, and, you know, I mean, your experience in, in selling in that environment in government is probably the highest order that can, that, that can give us a good read on what to do in business. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, uh, great setup, Chris. Uh, when I was on active duty, I was one who did not communicate with industry. I, I had, I couldn't imagine myself ever being in sales. I didn't, I wasn't really looking outside the lifelines, so to speak. Uh, some of my uh, shore assignments were in Washington where I, I represented the Navy to Congress, uh, uh, both the, the House and the Senate. As uh, you mentioned uh, at the at the intro, I did I, I led congressional delegations with some uh, pretty pretty well known uh, individuals around the world, but uh, that gave me some exposure to really the real world of how there are as as I called it three rings of the circus: uh, industry, agencies, and Congress all have a role in this. And uh, I came to recognize uh, pretty quickly that many people. Uh, uh, industry executives don't really understand the government customer to which they're selling. They 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 think it's one person, they think it's one service. Uh, it's really multiple people across these three rings of the circus. Uh, they, you know, the Congress has a role, the president has a role, the uh, the uh, uh, federal agencies each have a legitimate role, uh, and it's recognizing where to um, play those tensions off one another. Uh, to get to better outcomes, uh, and mm -hmm. that's that's where I've I've now learned to engage. Uh, and it, it's it took me a while to first recognize the the uh, the condition. I've, I really had it hammered home when I was a corporate lobbyist, and I saw industry executives coming to Washington who thought they knew what they were uh, dealing with, but they it, it, it turned out they really didn't. Uh, and th that opened up doors for me to to see, hey, I I can go help people, and and yeah. that's what I do now. And, and uh, that that's, uh, leads us into pitching your uh, talking about your other book, pitching the big top, how to master the three ring circus of federal sales. Uh, and uh, uh, let's touch on that a little bit. Let's get a plug in for this book then. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bestseller. It it was uh, me formulating my thoughts after I left corporate. Uh, where I had sort of come to this recognition that that uh, there were many, many companies in the defense industrial base that didn't understand the process, and they needed a simple way to understand it. And the, the three rings of the circus is not is not a pejorative term. It's, it's meant to capture the idea of relative motion. So if you think about a circus tent where there's three rings and there's things happening across all three rings at once, that's sort of what you have in federal except it's happening over the course of three years as well. So there's a, mm -hmm. there's a third dimension to it. Wow. And, and so recognizing how to plug in when and where, you know, right people, right place, right time with the right message. That's a, that is a, a world of nuance that very, very few people understand. And sadly, too few people uh, take advantage of how to, how to participate more fully in the process. There you go. Uh, you know, you, you've given me a great idea. Maybe we should paint the capital of the Congress uh, in a uh, Barnum Bailey uh, circus <laughs> colors. 
<laughs> we'll just play music every time they start. I mean, I, I have respect for government. I, th I think a lot of people, uh, I'm, I, I think one of my pet peeves is people meme, uh, do meme politics or understand politics through memes on social media. Uh, no one seems to read anymore about what's really going on. Um, and, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, I'll meet people that, you know, they'll tell me whatever their perspective is on some aspect of politics going on. Um, and, and you're like, where did, where the hell did you get that? And you're like, I saw a meme on the thing. And I'm like, you're, you're consuming your ability to, 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 uh, contribute to the, you know, this is this wonderful democracy, um, that's still an experiment. Um, and, and you're doing that off of memes. Like you're making your decisions on voting off of memes, and uh, well, they're funny and cute. I mean, they're shtick. You know, there's there's some comedy there. Uh, it's probably not something you want to base your you, you want know, to base I, your your thing on. I say, Chris, that uh, one one of the one of the casualties of this uh, speed of information and these multiple channels of of uh, flow of information, a, a casualty is truth, in mm. that we we no longer have a a clear way to recognize what what is ground truth mm -hmm. and so it's it's too difficult to get to sometimes for for many people and if mm -hmm. you're only consuming off of you know, social media or or headlines or you know what your uh, drunk uncle said at a, at a party uh, you, you know the, it's it's hard it's hard to agree on the facts sometimes so there you go. do you know my drunk uncle <laughs> how do you know no. I think I am that guy now to, to some of my family. What's got it? I think it's designated by law that everyone has to have that drunk, that one drunk uncle. That or he's the one who hugs uh, all the women too much at every uh, Thanksgiving uh, thing. You know, he's I'll, the I'll talk woman. about I'll talk about defense and national security. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, I was just last night. Um, I've been reading the Federalist Papers. Um, I always call them the Madison Papers, so I have to remember not to say that. But the Federalist Papers, um, and I've been reading I'm about halfway through it's, it, and it's interesting to see <clears throat> the the forethought that our founders went into. And then last night I got a little bored of it, and uh, we had C-SPAN on on Friday to uh, pitch a series where they have the, the the top ten books that influenced America, and they turned me on to uh, the book Common Sense by Thomas Paine, and so I'm about halfway through that last night at the gym. And what extraordinary reading and, you know, the vision that people had into what this country is. And boy, if they could see us now. <laughs> so, you know, Chris, think about the Federalist Papers and what they were. Yeah. So they, they were, you know, a way to explain to the people what this new government was going to be about and how it might work. Mm -hmm. and, and so they were, they were the, the then version of, uh, of a, a TikTok uh, clip, you know, something... Yeah. Something that was short and digestible in its day that that could help people understand what what kind of government government would evolve. Mm -hmm. And the vision behind it was extraordinary. I mean, hearing Thomas Paine talk about you know the 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 potential failures of being so attached to Britain, and uh, one of the things that was really profound last night was he makes the he makes the play that um, you know Britain's an island, we're a continent. Why the hell are we messing with them, dude? It's like, we don't need them. We're a continent. And it was really interesting, uh, the perspective of that. I was like, wow. <laughs> Go but it's interesting out. that we, we did recognize, though, that we needed to have lines of engagement with other mm -hmm. countries. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ambassadors were designated and, and uh, people would take uh, state-level messages forward. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, I, I would encourage anyone in the audience to to remember some of the history. I'm, I'm not a history expert, but mm-hmm. you know, we didn't we didn't just get to this magical place we're at in 2023 as we record this. But uh, you know, for those that are inclined to burn the place down because they think that uh, we can do something better, uh, I would just remind that no- nothing better has been found by any other in mankind to this date. So uh, as, as challenged as we sometimes are, uh, a lot works right. And, and I've been to over 60 countries as part of my military and congressional travel. I've uh, watched our senior uh, uh, congressional leaders interact at the ministerial level uh, with uh, partners and, and allies. And you know those relationships really do matter. And you can't just sever them without severe consequences. So, I, you know, I would ask of those that that are intensely frustrated about the you know issues of the day, you know, if you burn the place down, what what do you think comes next? <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're going to lose your democracy. I mean, and these things are fragile. Like people don't people don't realize. You know, we're really spoiled here in America. And they're like, yeah, well, we always have McDonald's, so uh, yeah, I guess the government's always going to be there. Um, and a lot of people want to throw rocks at government, but I tell people you get the government you vote in, you get the government you deserve. Uh, I tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, cause I'm, I'm always I, curious if yeah, I'm wrong. I've written, I've written, uh, some short, uh, blog posts with that exact topic. Uh, yeah. you know, we're challenged right now with all sorts of things, uh, fighting for time, uh, in the legislative world in Congress at the, at the federal level right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you you have to have competent people in position to manage these many challenges. Yeah, and and we you know we we were joking before the show. The other thing I tell people is is you get the government you deserve. So if it, it's a mirror, our leaders are a mirror to the people to us as electric. So if we're a bunch of dummies putting idiots into office, it's us, man. It's us. It's right there in the mirror. And uh, collectively, we need to be smarter, care what goes on in our government, care about uh, what, uh, what what things are going. Let's get a plug-in for your newest book. Uh, uh, do you have the title, Cemented? And let's I, tease I that do. Out the, yeah, t- title is Cemented. Uh, there's, a, there's an Amazon page there. This comes out in November from Taylor and Francis. It's called Government Deals Are Funded, Not Sold, How to Integrate Lobbying into Your Federal Sales Strategy. And it, it's fundamentally about recognizing as – the old saw in Washington says, if it's not funded, it's not real. Uh, I, I observe many companies chasing federal dollars uh, in ways that will never find their ways into their, their uh, company coffers. Uh, there's, a, there's a process. It's a very deliberate process, a very knowable process. Uh, but you have to understand how the money flows. And there's multiple uh, aspects to that. Uh, I guide people through it. The book is a result of my uh, PhD dissertation that I completed last year that that focused specifically on defense executives' perspectives of Congress, and I can I came to recognize that most defense executives are sort of flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, they are using their fairly narrow networks and mentors to guide them along, but they really lack awareness of how the how the process works in a deep way and i can take a line of questioning two or three layers deep with most defense executives and find that they really don't know as much as they think they know 
and and it's a shame because they, it doesn't have to be this way, and it contributes to uh, some of the waste that we see. Uh, contributes to some of the uh, decision making that we see. Sometimes we assume people of a certain age or seniority or set of experiences carries with them the similar level of expertise. Mm. And I, I confirmed that that is clearly not the case. Expertise is something very different from experience. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about the book. I think any executive uh, could learn from it. You don't have to be in defense, uh, but it's more about how to approach the government more thoughtfully. There you go. And just approaching probably anybody thoughtfully in negotiations and sales and and influence and, and trying to get stuff done because that's a lot of what you're doing as leaders. You're trying to influence other people to do their best work. Um, but it's interesting what you talk about because that leads back to uh, how you talk to people when you go two or three different levels down. You find that uh, maybe they're not quite as adept or or uh, you mentioned people go to the uh, go go to government and don't have quite the uh, knowledge base that they need. And you talk about you know the shiny things and and doing flea market trade offs um, to just strike deals that are short term, daily basis sort of nuances. Um, is that kind of the problem with maybe government where we've just gotten too much on how do we solve things now? Or you know there there's a small cadre of our of our uh, people in government that you know they're just looking for the headlines and to drive crazy things so they can fundraise off it and they really aren't interested in in wholesome quality um uh legislation i what i'll say is what i'm about to say is is not a universal there there are some absolute experts in um in office, in elected office, mm -hmm. who are in defense in particular, are experts in certain areas of defense uh, on the uh, committees uh, within the House and Senate. There are professional staff members who, who really are expert and they, they know their stuff and they try really hard to stay uh, as up to date as they as they're able from that uh, from that position. Um, that said, uh, there are a lot of empty suits in Washington. Uh, mm. There are people who who you would think know more than they do, um, but if you listen to what is sometimes being said, uh, much of it is scripted. Some of that comes from the uh, the party ideologies, where there there are you know orchestrated talking points. Mm. And, you know, just listen to the Sunday shows as an example. You, if you go from channel to channel, whatever your ideology, you you can see exact words and phrases being used uh, repeatedly. And then if you were to engage some of those people in a conversation, um, you can see that they quickly get uncomfortable with uh, going off script because they, they don't know the facts in, in many cases behind what those, those talking points said. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it can be uncomfortable. Uh, I recognize it for what it is. I, I had a, a captain one time in the Navy who, who said of our situation, you know, you, you can, try to change it, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Mm. And, uh, you know, you have to accept sometimes that it just is, uh, you know, we continue to adapt this, uh, uh, experiment of democracy and how it all works, but that, that sort of change takes place very, very slowly at the federal level. There you go. So we're coming up on, uh, we're coming up on, uh, a different negotiation, I think for the budget once again. And if we, if we don't come to some sort of, uh, arrangement, we'll be in default. And we already got a negative credit rating recently, uh, from a credit rating that, that hurt our ability to, you know, 
borrow money and <laughs> what we do, and it doesn't look good. And we, we don't need another one because, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this country's main thing these days is our ability to back our word, back our money, back our debt, and also the dollar and the power of the, the dollar bill and, ha and how just about everything in the world trades on it. And if we ever lose that, we're kind of screwed because um, it seems like it's the last big thing. You know, it used to be housing was a big thing that people would invest in this country and, and around the world, and we killed that off in 2008. Uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming uh, negotiations for all that stuff and what's going on? We will get there. Uh, it will be ugly, uh, and it will be a bumpy ride. Mm -hmm. uh, we have only passed uh, appropriations bills, those that fund the government. Uh, we've only passed them on time once in the last 12 years. Wow. Uh, it's, it's very uncommon for them to pass on time. Mm -hmm. The reasons for the disruption vary from year to year. You know, we've had uh, balanced budget acts in, you know, 2018, 2021. You, uh, you, you name the, uh, the leader of the house who's tried to, uh, make this system work on the house side and uh, and they they've been challenged you know mm -hmm. uh, Boehner, uh Cantor, uh pelosi you know f for for all her uh, opponents out there she actually did a pretty masterful job of keeping a disparate group together at least when it came time to vote mm -hmm. uh, i think speaker mccarthy has a, a challenge on his hands here Definitely. and uh uh he uh you know just today we're, we're announcing uh that we're going to we're going to look into an impeachment of uh president biden that's that's different than bringing an impeachment to a vote which i don't i don't think could could be done successfully <clears throat> but what what these sorts of uh communications do is just cloud the water and, mm -hmm. and stir up the muck so that people have a difficult time understanding what's really happening uh you know, Speaker McCarthy came in with the idea that uh, everything was going to pass through what's known as regular order. All the all the bills would come through uh, subcommittees and committees, be voted on the floor, and then and then be conferenced with the Senate. Uh, so far, that's not happening. Um, he will be challenged for to to uh, live up to that promise. Uh, the Senate, I think, is trying to help him out right now by uh, bringing some funding bills forward. The Senate has, in fact, moved all twelve. 12 of its uh, appropriations bills uh, to the floor. They're ready to, to put some, some heat on the House. Uh, and and uh, that should give Speaker McCarthy some leverage to show his more boisterous uh, part of his caucus that, hey, team, that that end game uh, isn't going to happen. We, we need to make a compromise. Uh, this will take at least until Christmas, I would predict. Uh, will we have an actual shutdown? Um, a month ago, I would have said no because leadership was publicly committing that they wouldn't. Uh, today, I would say it, it could happen. Huh. Uh, but what I what I tell my clients is, you know, a shutdown means different things. You know, all the lights don't go off. You know, the the the, the plants actually do get watered. Uh, they, there are uh, communications that take place. Uh, uh, there are people who are uh, essential to government that that stay in place. But it's incredibly disruptive. Yeah. And uh, the, the real uh, uh, calamity is that the decision makers are forced to a, um, uh, a, a place of uh, analysis and isolation. They, 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 they have to wait for Congress to do something before they can decide on, on the, the most appropriate course. Uh, long answer, it's, it's actually a complex issue. 
uh, we will get there. Uh, it will, it will be, it will be bumpy. Yeah. And I think we need to all demand as Americans, a better, a better system, better leadership, better, you know, finding a way to reach across the aisle, uh, and stuff like that, uh, back to the old days, pre, pre, uh, uh, new Gingrich, um, you know, the old tip O'Neill style and, and, uh, things like that, where you try and find consensus, you try and find a way to work together. Um, you know, there's always going to be politics where you have to sling shit, but when it comes down to legislation or, or uh, disasters or something like that, uh, as we go out, one last final thought I have on you, cause this is really important to me. Uh, and I think a lot of people discount it, the U S position in the world and our, uh, in our, uh, military or lack of military readiness to defend it. Why is it so important? I mean, people don't, people are like, ah, oh, we have all these bases on the world. We spend all this money on military. Why is that important? And they just don't get it. So, uh, from your mind uh, and thoughts, what, what is the summation of why it's important? Yeah, well, I think uh, when there is not a uh, leader in the globe, uh, mm-hmm. that, that vacuum will be filled. And it's, it's often not mm-hmm. filled with, uh, with positive thoughts. Uh, we, we rely on uh, strategic lines of communication for our supply chains. Uh, mm-hmm. we can we can say uh, that they were tested maybe to an extreme during covid and we found some things that we didn't like but uh fixing supply chains doesn't mean uh disconnecting from allies and partners uh no one country can do this alone uh we are in a in a position of military readiness it's my belief that we need uh our intelligence to hold we need our soft power of uh diplomacy to be a, uh, a a critical piece of our overall uh, picture and we need the economic ties you know these these are uh traditional tools of policy uh in intelligence military uh diplomacy economics uh they all fit together uh, our military state of readiness is documented this year by uh, the general accounting office by individual service secretaries by hearing testimony by think tank uh, war games, uh, we are not as ready as we were five years ago, ten years ago. Uh, we we have a readiness challenge, and so um, if those other means fail, uh, we're going to have a problem, yeah. and that that problem will 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 definitely strike home. Definitely. I mean, a lot of us as Americans uh, just kind of believe that what's always been there and the safety net that we have, and we don't understand the uh, what goes into that safety net and keeping that power position in the world. I mean, the, the China, to my understanding, has built the largest Navy now in the world. And I think someone on the show said that they're building their Navy at the rate of what Australia is growing at with their Navy or something. It's extra, it, it's moving at a very fast pace that they're moving. They're, they're of course, hacking our leaders. They just hacked uh, one of the State Department people who went over. As she was going over, they hacked her email, uh, which is extraordinary from, from the moxie of that or the the... It's just extraordinary to think about from, you're like, seriously? Uh, But, uh, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, the Taiwan issue is a big issue with uh, semiconductors. I mean, I think it's 85% or 90% of semiconductors are made in Taiwan. Um, And that's that's not something we can change quickly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, the, the, it took us a long time for that capacity to, to grow and, and uh, congregate at Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have a reliance on uh, critical rare earth material that is is just not available in the U.S. It doesn't it doesn't exist in the U.S., mm-hmm. so it has to come from somewhere. 
Much of it actually comes from China as, as relates to uh, battery architecture and uh, uh, high-end magnets. Mm -hmm. Those are just realities of the globe uh, mm -hmm. that uh, we, we have to find better ways to uh, uh, integrate uh, China into, into the solutions as opposed to just retreating from them. Yeah. Uh, this, as I said, and it's no secret, these, these are complex problems. Yeah. And people don't realize these are important ones in maintaining the safety of you getting up every day and eating your breakfast cereal and not having it, uh, I don't know, come to you in Russian or Chinese or North Korea. So, I, I hope it doesn't take uh, a, a significant external force to uh, awake us to, to the reality, but history suggests that it probably will. Yeah. Uh, the one thing man can learn from his history, I always say, is man never learns from his history. And that's why we go round and round. But I, I think uh, hopefully people will take uh, note of, sadly, the Ukraine war with Russia to, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of like, oh, we don't have wars anymore. You know, we don't have to really worry about this stuff anymore. And you can see what's going on over there. And uh, you can see that, you know, if if it wasn't for the Ukrainians putting up the Ukrainians uh, putting up a good fight, uh, certainly I think the intent from some of the intel was that he was going to go after the NATO countries, and that would have, you know, Finland, Sweden, who weren't NATO countries at the time, it would have crossed uh, some lines that you know probably would have put us back into a world war or, or nuclear war, if anything. So um, the danger still is there, and and uh, whether it's a young democracy that. It's still an experiment that zigs and zags, as President Obama put it. Um, you know, we're still we're still trying to find our footing, and this thing can go at any moment. We saw democracies like Hungary fail over COVID uh, and turn authoritarian. I mean, these things can disappear overnight. We came very close to that on January sixth, and and may still. Uh, so, uh, I'll give you uh, our final thoughts as we go out. Uh, pitch your books uh, and your wares, and uh, your final thoughts. Yeah, and everything. I, I'll, I'll take uh, two cracks if, if if it's okay. You know, the uh, there's a big part of the electorate uh, who has only known uh, a nation at war, and mm. uh, and those wars didn't necessarily appear to go our way, and uh, and they that the, that same part of the electorate is a little bit removed from some of the uh, outcomes of World War II that established this uh, basic world order that, that we've lived with in, I say, relative peace for, for over 75 years. So th there are many who, who don't understand what it took to get to that. And uh, that that's a shame, I think, to the degree that we can preserve that, that would that would be very helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, as you can tell, just from the, sc the scope of this uh, conversation, Chris, uh, although I help companies achieve great outcomes in Washington and help them bring their products and services to get to a, a better government solution in whatever the situation is, it requires that I maintain uh, a pretty close understanding of what's what is happening. Uh, you know, with with the budget, with the uh, the movements of government, uh, what issues are being discussed. Uh, all of these issues uh, have depth far beyond the headlines that we that we see every day, and I try to stay in touch with that so that the, the clients that I work with don't don't have to track it so closely, and that they can they can know that they're they're ready to participate at the right place and time. There you go. Uh, well, it's been wonderful and insightful to have you on the show, uh, and uh, people should check out your books from uh, all walks of leadership because uh, leadership training is something every I love consuming leadership books. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Sure, GeneMoran.com. 
There you go. Uh, Gene, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. There you go. And thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Watch for this on the LinkedIn newsletter. Go to TikTok at Chris Foss1, and uh, I think it's YouTube at uh, Chris Foss. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. Order up the book where refined books are sold. You can get Million Dollar Influence, How to Drive Powerful Decisions Through Language, Leverage, and Leadership, available now. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. All right.